This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Tammy Bruce. I'm Steve Ducey. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, August 16th, 2022. I'm Dave Anthony. It's been a year since the Taliban took over Afghanistan while U.S. troops were pulling out. The Taliban have realized the dream of Osama bin Laden, which was to have an Islamic jihadi state with an army, with a functioning uh, international airport, foreign currency reserves, a government. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. It's primary day in two red states, Alaska and Wyoming. Two states with candidates who've made waves with stances not all Republicans like. This race is very much about the former president, the January 6th committee, and the divide we've seen among Republicans that um, that plays into that. And I'm Ben Domenech. I've got the final word on the Fox News rundown. What a difference a year makes. In Afghanistan, under Taliban rule... Afghanistan's economy has collapsed. The United Nations now estimates 97% of Afghans are at risk of falling below the poverty line. Fox's Trey Yingst is in Kabul. Right now in Afghanistan, listening to music is outlawed. Women must be covered when in public, and the majority of teenage girls are banned from participating in secondary education. Now, one year ago today, after the Taliban took control, while U.S. troops were leaving, President Biden addressed the nation. There was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. And he said to underscore it was the right decision, the country fell apart faster than anticipated. Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. The Afghan military collapsed. But House Republicans, in a new report the White House calls full of inaccuracies and false claims, call the chaotic final weeks of the withdrawal a strategic failure, tragic yet avoidable. We still have Americans trapped behind Taliban lines. GOP Congressman Michael Waltz from Florida is also an Afghan war veteran. Many of them can't leave because their family members can't leave. Uh, The Biden administration has since admitted that even though they pointed to about 100, which is what both Biden and Secretary of State Blinken said uh, when we had the final pullout, they've now admitted it was closer to 800, eight times as many as they said at the time. And there's still people left. So we still have Americans behind Taliban lines. We have tens of thousands of our allies who stood and fought with us, were willing to die for our values in the fight against extremism that are being hunted down by the Taliban as we speak. Girls can no longer go to school. Women can't work. There's a mass famine. And oh, by the way, Al-Qaeda is now back in Afghanistan in a way that it was pre-9-11. And American credibility has been absolutely devastated around the world. So in the midst of all of that, you have the commander-in-chief saying this was an extraordinary success. Uh, Zero accountability for the debacle that it was. Not a single person fired or relieved. Who would you want him to punish? What would you like him to do to deal with what happened a year ago? 
uh, first, we would like some answers to uh, why there wasn't more planning uh, and foresight uh, you know, that went into the withdrawal decision. Uh, why wasn't the military's advice uh, listened to, which said, look, if you pull out the Afghans air support, maintenance support, logistics support and intelligence support in the middle of the fighting season, they're likely to collapse. Uh, that wasn't listened to. Why was the intelligence so wrong? And then finally, for the sake of the Gold Star families, the 13 Gold Star families, why do we decide to try to defend an airport in the middle of a city of four million people surrounded by the Taliban on a strategy of trusting kind of good terrorists to help us against the bad terrorists uh, when we had a massive airbase, Bagram Air Base, just uh, a few miles a way that was much more defensible and logistically more sustainable. So I could go on with the litany of questions that not only me, but veterans of Gold Star families have that have not been answered. Now, he just referenced the 13 American troops killed in a suicide bombing at the Kabul airport during the chaotic withdrawal. Back to President Biden a year ago. He said then staying and fighting would cost even more American lives. American troops cannot and should not be fighting in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight for themselves. A few weeks ago, the president said the U.S. strike that killed al-Qaeda's leader shows the U.S. can still fight terror in Afghanistan. But Congressman Waltz fears what happened after we left Iraq could happen there. We had an explosion of ISIS, a caliphate the size of Indiana, uh, massacres and beheadings of both American citizens and, and civilians across the region. And guess what? We have more troops back in the Middle East and back in Iraq now than we did before the withdrawal. So what the military actually advised was not U.S. forces doing the fighting, but providing the support for the Afghan military to continue to do the fighting, which they were doing. And I think it's worth noting we had fewer casualties in 2018, 2019 than we did in, in, in Afghanistan than we did in training accidents. To be fair, President Trump said we can't be in endless wars. He and his administration sure. signed a peace deal with the Taliban, and yep. that led to the withdrawal. And President Biden said if he didn't abide by that withdrawal, Americans yep. would have been killed. So two points on that. And, and to be fair, I was on the record at the time of the Doha agreement uh, saying I disagreed with it. I did not believe the Taliban would live up to their end of the bargain, and they did not. They never agreed to a ceasefire. They never entered into serious negotiations with the Afghan government. They also didn't live up to their agreement uh, to keep al-Qaeda out of Afghanistan. But at the same time, I do believe it's pretty disingenuous for Biden to say, I'm going to 100% reverse course from the Trump administration on everything from energy policy to the Iran deal. But somehow he was absolutely stuck on the course that President Trump had said when it comes to the Doha agreement. I do know a number of President Trump's advisors went into him in the final days of his presidency and said they are not living up to their conditions. And he said, fine, leave the 2500. I want to play something. I want to play you. I want you to hear what you said to us about a year ago when we talked to you in the middle of the withdrawal as the Taliban was taking over province after province of Afghanistan from a year ago. Here we go. What pains me sure. is after the Taliban takeover, 
uh, and al-Qaeda comes roaring back, I think we're going to have to go back in again, but this time we'll have to do it without local bases. And after our local allies have been massacred, I fear for the American soldiers we're going to lose because of this policy mistake in the future. Uh, and American civilians, if we have another 9-11 or another Pulse nightclub. Do you still think that way today? Unfortunately, yes. And the intelligence community has been very clear as it briefs us in Congress that al-Qaeda and ISIS fully intend to attack the West again. They are rebuilding their capability to do so. I think that was absolutely evidenced by Zawahiri, uh, uh, Zawahiri, excuse me, who had been in hiding for 20 years, was now out in the open in Kabul. And even the United Nations is pointing to 10 to 15,000 foreign fighters that are migrating back to Afghanistan. Look, the Taliban have realized the dream of Osama bin Laden, which was to have an Islamic jihadi state with an army, with a functioning uh, international airport, foreign currency reserves, a government. And you're seeing it now uh, prove to be a mecca for foreign fighters uh, all over the world. The killing of Zawahiri was something I applaud, but he was largely a symbolic figure uh, at this point. The terrorists actually running al-Qaeda are effectively in hiding and they're rebuilding their capabilities. You said that the Taliban has sort of achieved bin Laden's dream of a safe haven state for for Islamic terror. Does that mean 20 years of U.S. fighting and nation building? Did we lose in Afghanistan ultimately? A lot of veterans are struggling mightily with the question that you just asked. What was it all for? What was the sacrifice both for myself, my family, my buddies who are no longer with us? Uh, you know, Was it all worth it? And, and my message to all of them, number one, if you're going to a dark place dealing with those questions, please call 988. It's the Veteran Suicide uh, Hotline. We have a crisis. We've had a multifold increase in calls of that hotline since the withdrawal from Afghanistan. And we had a crisis even before that started. But my message is, you know, we had an entire generation of Americans who grew up without worried about planes flying into buildings or suicide bombers, you know, in malls or school buses, uh, that we kept the homeland safe. We may have to take drastic action to do it again, uh, but I don't want them to think their sacrifice was in vain. I, I firmly believe it absolutely was not. We kept the problem over there rather than it being here in our backyard. Among the Afghans who fled the country last August was Zainullah Zaki. He helped the U.S. during the war as a translator, fighting alongside U.S. Marine Major Tom Schumann. And on our podcast last week, Tom told us Zach and many other interpreters who still haven't gotten visas they were promised after years of trying are at risk of being deported back to Afghanistan. Zach will tell you what that what the implications are if, if he gets sent back. What, what What's going to happen if, if uh, we get lost our life? He'll be killed. Yeah. We're going to get die and kill with my whole family. And Congressman Waltz is working on that issue. The status of the folks that did get out is some of it will be expiring within uh, a month or two. Uh, I certainly have spoke out many times against visa overstays or illegal immigration. These are folks, uh, I want everyone to know this, that were willing to fight and die with us. And and I think um, if anybody's earned their right to, to be an American, it's them. There is a uh, various legislation pending to address those issues 
Uh, and I expect to see that legislation emerge. Um, and it has to be, it, it has to be accompanied by appropriate vetting since a lot of the people that, that did get out weren't some of the ones who had been vetted up front. So that I expect to see that legislation emerge uh, this September. And then the other ongoing issue is that tens of thousands of them who did stand and fight with us, uh, who were um, eligible for the SIV program, are still stuck behind Taliban lines. Uh, they are being hunted down as we speak. I think what the State Department uh, is doing to address it is wholly inadequate. The sad thing about it is even the folks who did get out, the Taliban, if they can't get you, they go after their family. And one of the interpreters I was able to get out has since had his brothers and his cousins attacked and killed by the Taliban. One was drugged behind a Taliban truck around the village to send a message about ever working with uh, Americans again. But there's nothing we can do about that part, though, is there? No, absolutely. There's something we could do. Okay. We have since in the last year, uh, we have released billions of dollars in foreign currency reserves to the Taliban government. We have provided hundreds of millions of dollars in aid. That should be conditioned upon appropriate treatment of uh, those that, that may have worked with us in the past. And oh, by the way, there's still an American Navy veteran held hostage by the Taliban that's been there for two years. One would have thought for the full withdrawal of all troops, which they've been asking, the Taliban have been asking for in, for decades, for in exchange for billions in foreign currency reserves and humanitarian assistance, that we could get one American Navy veteran hostage back. I, this administration just continues to concede and, and to make concession after concession without demanding something in exchange for what we're giving. And it's just completely unacceptable. Congressman Michael Waltz, Republican from Florida, Afghanistan, war veteran. Also, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. What it is, I'm going to level with you guys. Getting old sucks. One day you wake up and you just don't feel like yourself. Low energy, feeling cranky. Believe it or not, fellas, even problems in the bedroom. I know. Turns out these symptoms are a result of our lower testosterone. Now there's a solution. Nugenics Total T made with a powerful testosterone booster. Nugenics Total T ignites the fire inside of you and you get to feel like your old self again. With hundreds of five-star reviews from real customers like myself, Nugenics Total T really works. The product is now new and improved with Tesnar, a testosterone-boosting extract that increases vitality, adds stamina, and wipes out everyday fatigue. Get back to a better you with Nugenics Total T. Get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text Tyrus, T-Y-R-U-S, to 231-231. Text now and we'll add in a bottle of Nugenics Thermal X, our most powerful fat incinerator on the house. Just text Tyrus to 231-231. That's Nugenics Total T and Nugenics Thermal X on us. Just pay shipping and handling. Texting enrolls you into a reoccurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. This is Ben Dominich with your Fox News commentary coming up. 
It's primary day in two red states, but these states have different stories to tell, Wyoming and Alaska. In Wyoming, the Republican Party dominates with registered voters, roughly 71 percent to the Democrats, 15 percent, with unaffiliated voters behind Democrats. The opposite is true in Alaska, where more than half of registered voters are nonpartisan and unaffiliated, followed by Republicans who outnumber Democrats roughly two to one. It's where incumbent Senator Lisa Murkowski has been targeted by former President Trump since she was one of seven. GOP senators to vote for impeachment, and she's notably the only one facing an election this year. She told Fox News this weekend. The problem that we have is that Donald Trump, when he was in office, failed to uphold the Constitution of the United States. For me, it's pretty simple. Trump's backed pastor and Harvard Law graduate Kelly Shibaka, who recently served as the commissioner of Alaska's Department of Administration. You can either vote for the senator that Joe Biden wants to be the next senator of Alaska, his best friend Lisa Murkowski, or we're going to vote for the senator that represents Alaska values. Now, former Governor Sarah Palin is also running to finish out the term of the late Congressman Don Young. She came out on top among four candidates in the special election primary earlier this summer. Alaska is now using ranked choice voting. And behind her was Republican businessman Nick Begich III. So while voters will pick a winner in that special election tonight, they will also choose, again, four candidates in a primary to see who will hold that seat beyond November. In Wyoming, Congresswoman Liz Cheney has admitted she's had an uphill battle heading into today, but said late last month, as she's said before and since. If I have to choose between keeping the House seat uh, or making sure that we defend the Constitution and that people know the truth about Donald Trump, you know, my oath requires that I choose the Constitution and the truth, and, and I'll do that every day of the week. Cheney is not only one of 10 Republican House members who voted to impeach then-President Trump, she's also served a prominent role on the January Select Committee. Trump has backed attorney Harriet Hageman, who was born and raised in Wyoming, and says she used to support Cheney. They've used terms like martyrdom to describe this. Fox News senior national correspondent Rich Edson in Teton Village, Wyoming. It's now the point where you've basically got Cheney supporters trying to get Democrats to re-register as Republicans to vote for her, but the numbers don't seem to quite be there. Um, it's unclear you know, where she may go from here, what happens from here. And so we do have to see this play out. But the scenario does not look good for her. Let's talk about Harriet Hageman for a minute. Um, Wyoming's pretty red. So barring anything dramatic, if she emerges from the primary victorious, she would likely be Wyoming's next congressperson. Um, what do we know about her? She, she's a, an attorney? She's an attorney. Um, she highlights that she has spent a lot of time um, suing against the Environmental Protection Agency and the federal government to, uh, as her supporters would say, keep the federal government out of their land and off their backs. So this is a heavily Republican state. There are somewhere around 200,000, a little less, 200,000 registered Republicans in this state and like fewer than 40,000 registered Democrats in this state. So it's overwhelmingly Republican. You can change your affiliation on the, uh, the day of the vote or before the vote if you want to vote in a different primary. That's something you can do here. It's legal to do that. The former governor, a Democrat, has done that to vote for Liz Cheney. Um, there have been a lot of folks from out of town, Republicans who we caught up with from Florida and Michigan and, and other states who've said they respect what Liz Cheney has done. Um, we just spoke with Kevin McCarthy in an exclusive interview, and he believes that Cheney is going to lose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he said, well, we need a, a conservative who is interested in limited government. And I asked him, well, hasn't that been Liz Cheney over the past several years in Congress? 
And he brings it back to the opposition is really over January 6th. It's over her vice chair in the January 6th committee. It's over her calling the former president a threat to the United States, a domestic threat to the United States. Um, we've heard that from voters as well. We've heard that from voters for and against her. And in fact, Harriet Hageman put up uh, a closing argument, if you will, of why she should be elected here. And the first couple of paragraphs had everything to do with January 6th. Mm. So this race is very much about the former president, the January 6th committee, and the divide we've seen among Republicans that um, that plays into that. Yeah, what, Rich, tell me a little bit more about the voters, what you've heard from them, specifically, obviously, Wyoming voters. Does it seem like people know a lot about Hageman or just that she's backed by Trump? Have you met people who still support Liz Cheney, even though you, you might have heard some criticism as well? Like, what's the vibe you're, you're getting? Yeah, all of the above, actually. We've, we've spoken, we went to a rodeo the other night and spoke oh. to a number of folks there. And, you know, look, the polling shows that you're going to probably find a lot more Hageman supporters than, um, than Cheney supporters, and that was the case. But we did find uh, some undecided people. We did find some Wyoming voters who did respect what Liz Cheney has done on the January 6th committee in standing up for her principles. So um, a little bit of everything here. But the vibe that we got was definitely uh, very much pro-Hageman. There are a couple of other Republicans running in this race, but as has been the case when the former president, who remains popular within the Republican Party, puts his weight behind someone and such right. a public spat. I mean, there really hasn't been such a public argument between a Republican uh, in the House and the former president than Liz Cheney. I mean, of course, there's Congressman Adam Kinzinger, uh, who's retiring, but Liz Cheney has stuck this out. She's the vice chair of the committee. She's not just a member of it. She voted for impeachment. And so this really has been elevated. And so when you've got the former president backing someone, it, it probably carries a bit more weight in a race like this. Finally, Rich, you, you did note there are some other candidates, right? Anthony Bouchard, Denton Knapp, and Robin Belensky. Apologies if I'm not pronouncing those names correctly. Um, have they been spending more time actually making a case against Hageman rather than, than Cheney? From one of the debates, uh, it was very much Cheney-focused. And this really... Kevin McCarthy told us, the minority leader, that this is absolutely a referendum on... January 6th on Congresswoman Cheney's actions in regards to that and, and the commission. Hmm. But a lot of what else you hear um, outside of January 6th is very much the type of positioning that Congresswoman Cheney has taken in Congress. Right. Um, you know, limited federal government. This is an energy state, pro-energy. Those types of votes are pro, you know, the type of energy in the state. And, and those are the things that she has for years been on the side of. And so this is absolutely about January 6th. Now to Alaska, which is using ranked choice voting now. The top four vote getters move forward in the primary and in the general election, the person with the fewest votes is eliminated. But the votes where that candidate was listed as the first choice go to the person who was listed as second choice and on and on until someone tops 50 percent. And while former President Trump looms large here, Fox News correspondent Jonathan Hunt in Anchorage notes the new voting system may end up helping incumbent Senator Lisa Murkowski. I think she knows, Senator Murkowski, that she is in a fight. She's been in the Senate for 20 years. She is by no means, of course, a political novice. She knows that she has a serious challenge from the right uh, in the shape particularly of Kelly Shabaka, who has been endorsed by President Trump. And President Trump has repeatedly gone after Senator Murkowski ever since yeah. she voted for his impeachment after January 6th. So uh, she knows, uh, she's heard him here loud and clear when he was here 
here just last month. He said to the huge crowd that turned out for him that she was a lousy senator and then said she's the worst senator in the United States. So he's certainly having an impact. There is a very strong conservative base throughout Alaska. So she knows she's in a fight, but she is going to be helped by this uh, new system they've got here, which essentially sends the first, the top four vote getters through from the primary to the general election. So I don't think anybody doubts that Senator McCaskey will will be one of those top four. And if right. you speak to Kelly Shabaka, as we did, she says uh, that if this was a straight fight, a usual primary between the moderate Senator McCaskey and uh, one ru- a Republican running from the right, then Senator McCaskey would be in real trouble. But I think you can uh, be fairly safe bet that she's going to make it to the general election in November. Yeah, and she survived that primary 12 years ago with a write-in campaign. It'll be interesting to see if, yep. if you know, how difficult this is. I was reading some, I think, rather interesting data that Murkowski may have even more support from Democrats in the state than Republicans. And as you just noted, Trump has backed um, Kelly Shibaka. Some of the analysts say that the ranked choice voting will help Murkowski, as, as you've said, but that she really can't afford to lose any Republican support. And then you, you have yeah. this, this need to appeal to all the nonpartisan and unaffiliated voters in Alaska. There's a lot going on here. Right. And there is no doubt, I think, in anybody's mind, including Senator Mikowski herself, that ranked choice voting will help her. She told me, in fact, when I spoke to her at a campaign headquarters, that it's going to depend the general election on who can build the best coalition, who can reach across party lines. And clearly, she thinks she has a much better chance of bringing in independents and Democrats than uh, a Kelly Shabaka might, for instance. And so she is certainly very much uh, a fan of ranked choice voting because uh, it it would be hard to argue that it does not make it uh, simpler for her. But uh, anything can happen in the general election and anything can happen when President Trump gets involved in campaigning, as we well know. So true. Um, Talk to me about Sarah Palin, because she's, I guess, trying to make a comeback here. Um, I know she came out on top among four (laughs) candidates in the special election primary to fill the late Congressman Don Young's seat. But she and Republican businessman Nick Begich III and Democrat Mary Poltola, they all placed in the special election primary, and we'll find out the winner of of that special election um, tonight. But then they are also all running in the actual primary for the seat beyond November. What's your sense about how voters feel about Palin now? You know, I think there are two feelings about Sarah Palin, and I would love to tell you what she herself thinks, but she's not speaking to any reporters whatsoever, as far as we can tell up here. The Anchorage Daily News has been chasing her all across the state. She doesn't respond to them. Uh, We have put in numerous calls to her campaign. She has not responded to us at all. I think it is perfectly fair to say that Sarah Palin is running purely on name recognition. She's going off and doing major events with friendly audiences such as CPAC. She is not talking to reporters who might ask her uh, more difficult questions. So uh, she's running on name recognition, and that may be a smart strategy. She said uh, she did very well, as you said, placing uh, in the lead uh, before this special election. She has uh, two strong opponents in particular in Nick Begich and Mary Peltola, the Democrats. So uh, it's going to be an interesting race, and it'll be interesting to see whether that ultimately that strategy of Sarah Palin's of campaigning on name recognition 
recognition does backfire. Alaskans like their politicians to come to see them. It's the toughest state in the United States to get around, obviously because of its sheer size, but they expect their politicians to do that. And, you know, on the on the part of Senator Murkowski and Kelly Shabaka on the Senate side, for instance, we have seen them over the last few days traveling hours to go and greet 20 people in one small uh, community in, in Alaska, hours and hours outside of Anchorage. That is what is expected of politicians here. So uh, Sarah Palin is running a high-risk strategy. It might just pay off. Jonathan Hunt, thank you so much for your time. Great to be with you, Jess. Thank you. Sick of the one-size-fits-all method when it comes to healthcare, especially when it comes to your ED treatment? Well, good news. Now you've got options with Hims. Hims is changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatments such as chewable mints, brand-name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for less. The process is simple and 100% online. No uncomfortable doctor's visits. Answer a series of questions on their site, and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you for free. No insurance is needed. If ED is getting you down, it's time to join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMSS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com rundown. That's HIMS.com rundown for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com rundown. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Did you hear the news? Now you can. With instant updates from Fox News for Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play news from Fox. In Fox News. It's the latest when you need it. On demand from Fox News and Amazon Alexa. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Ben Dominic. What's on your mind? I just want to tell you, I can't believe what just happened. The fact that the FBI would raid a former president of the United States in a way that was so confrontational and is so disturbing. But one thing that I do think we can all take away from this is that this is a real situation that needs to be solved when it comes to reform of the FBI and any kind of entity that is going to be investigating our politicians going forward. I mean, the simple fact is that we are confronting an entity that does not have any kind of self-control. We are in need of a real revisiting of this kind of entity when it comes to any kind of responsibility and reforms that need to happen. A church committee that looks into the FBI, that examines what it's doing, that says whether it's able to achieve these kind of things in a responsible way is something that I think is absolutely necessary at this point. The simple fact is the FBI cannot be trusted. 
They are looking out for their own self-interest in ways that are deeply disturbing and need to be reined back in. I'm Ben Domenech. Listen and subscribe to the Ben Domenech podcast, which you can find at foxnewspodcast.com. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.